Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an internationally famous author, a rock star. This guy's name is Michael Barnett. And you will not want to miss this interview. And you will not want to let another moment pass without having shared this live stream with all of your friends. So make sure you share this out and we'll see you in a minute. And we're back. Let me bring Michael on the show. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's a it's good. a Friday and in Southern California. It's a little rainy, but no complaints. Yeah. So um I told you I live in Ohio. So we're like <laughs> I think we get more rain than Seattle here. So you know, that happens. So, Michael, I started this show, literally, we are two days away from it being four years ago that I started this show. Wow, and Thank you. It's been amazing. And, and, and I started it to <clears throat> help people have a breakthrough in life, because I truly believe that people get stuck and they don't know what to do. And I think that by hearing other people's stories of how they hit a wall and they busted through, went under, went over, went around, whatever. Um, so that's what this is all about. So why don't we start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised? Sure. So yeah, I was born in Riverside, California and didn't wander far from uh, Riverside. I'm actually back, just moved to Riverside. So it's kind of like the firm. I can't get away, keep coming back. So yeah. <laughs> Born, born in Riverside, always been in Southern California, uh, done some traveling, but lived uh, all my life uh, in California. So, wow. Yeah. Never anywhere else? Isn't that wild? Yeah. Every, every time my wife and I try to move, we think, okay, we're out of California. We're going to do something. There's certain deal breakers, like we look at the weather or we look at, my wife loves the beach. Yeah. So uh, it's hard to find uh, beaches as, as great as... Uh, Laguna and Newport and Huntington here in Southern California. So, yeah. So always have stayed in California. We almost moved to, uh, to Tennessee. It was, it was kind of on the plate, yeah. but uh, we, we ended up staying. So we're, we're here still. <laughs> well, you've not been to Destin, Florida then. I have not. Do I need to be there? Destin, Florida has the best beaches in America. Okay. I believe I could be wrong. But I've seen a lot of beaches. Destin, like it's just it's it's crystal blue water, white sand. It's unbelievable. It's really nice. It's the yeah. Gulf. Yeah. yeah. Sounds amazing. Nice. Yeah. Joe, my buddy Joe Ingram is in SoCal. 
in Orange County, and he just said, Destin does beat Laguna. It really does. It's unbelievable. You got to check it out sometime. I but, will put that on, on the map. I'll and Joe's on. from Southern County. He lives in Orange <laughs> County, so so he uh, he he's, he's... But we haven't had any uh, hurricanes in Huntington or Laguna recently, so that's... Yeah, but De Destin doesn't... Get, I mean, they get, you know... It's not, I don't know. I don't think Destin, I, I don't know. Well, here's a guy that lives in Destin, Scott. So <laughs> Scott can tell us if they get hurricanes. I don't think they, they, I think they get threats of hurricanes and, and nothing ever touches the beaches of Destin, Florida. I, I don't know. Anyway. So, so you're from California, born and raised. Did, that's where you went to school and high school and all of that. Did you go to college? Yeah, did did some uh, did a bachelor's degree uh, locally here, and really started my my career in the marketing world, and so that was kind of my beginning, putting together marketing campaigns, and at some point had actually a brand agency that I ran, and played between those two worlds as far as brand branding and brand agency and then advertising and found myself really just seeing campaigns that were, you know, in my mind, these brilliant campaigns often fall apart at the five yard line, which was the customer service piece. And so several years ago, it kind of put me on that trajectory to really start looking at, there was, there was a white space in the customer service space that um, I was trying to fill. you know, a lot of the larger corporations, the Starbucks, the, you know, Samsung, whoever, you know, they have some of those pieces in place for their customer service, but it's, it's the regional or the small national companies that I felt was uh, lacking some of those, those abilities to deliver exceptional service. So I wanted to step in and, and try to help those. And so that's kind of where I've been for the last several years. I think, you know, from my perspective, there's nothing more important. I've owned, owned businesses pretty much my entire adult life. Um, and I see it. I remember years ago, I went to a company um, to their store. I bought a, a one of those Garmin GPS systems and sure. um, ended up that the person I bought it for didn't want it. So I took it back. It, this all happened in, in a matter of like, an hour and a half. And I lived literally across the street from this company um, who I'll mention in a minute. Um, and I go in and I go, Hey, I want to return this. She didn't want it. And, and they're like, okay, well, there's a, I think it was 15% restocking fee. I said, dude, it's literally still in the shrink wrap plastic. I, I, I I'm not paying your stupid 15% give me my money back and, and we'll call it a day. Right. And I'll continue shopping here and you'll have a happy customer. No, that's not, that's not our company policy. And I said, well, your company policy sucks then. And you need to, to get me the manager if you can't approve this. And he's like, okay, the manager comes over. Sorry, sir. We're not going to be able to help you. There's a 15% restocking fee. And uh, like my head pretty much exploded right there in the store. And yeah. I remember cursing this company as I walked out the door thinking you're not going to make it. 
Um, and this was a multi-billion dollar corporation at one time. And they ended up filing bankruptcy. You want to guess who it was? Oh, man. It has the word circuit in, in its name. Circuit City, baby. Circuit City. They went under because their customer service sucked. So this is something very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, well, it, it's so funny. You know, so many times businesses get in their own way because right. you know, they want to create the policy and get the manager and the manager has, has to tow the company line. And and we've lost the ability often to think beyond the transaction and really develop the relationship. That's why, I mean, that's why my book is called Customer Relationship Imprinting. It's really yeah. about relationships. That's what it comes down to. I don't care if it's a, a billion dollar company or a mom and pop store. It really is about developing the relationships beyond the transaction. And, and unfortunately, a, a lot of companies... You're, you're describing probably all your listeners, all, everybody viewing this can say, oh, yeah, I have that experience, too. And they can name a different company because oftentimes, yeah. you know, it is it is a lack of customer service training that we haven't really empowered our people to make some decisions and make things right for a customer without getting a, a, a manager. And so we not only change the manager's, you know, function to just be a babysitter, but right. we we've turned it into, we really can't get customer service. And, and, you know, so those are things that, that certainly all of us have, have been exposed to. And the people that certainly understand the idea of developing the relationships, they're the ones that are leading the charge when it comes to not only customer service, but they're making more money and they're acquiring more customers. Go figure yeah. it, it all matters, you know? And, and Joe, Joe is right. It's the people that are separated from the day-to-day -day transactions and interact. I think that all the C-suite idiots at the top, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I should, but all the C-suite level people need to go out at least once a quarter and work in a store retail. Look, if we're talking retail, they need to be in a store somewhere serving customers and and remembering what it's all about if they ever even experienced it right you you have to inspect what you expect right amen you so, got yeah. boots on the ground man i i think that you know we have a this this is why i love what you're doing i love and and i hope that you have a copy of your book you can hold up um but of course there it is customer relationship imprinting so, so, so talk about you get out of college, you have, what was your degree in? It was in uh, business uh, with an emphasis of marketing. Okay. So business and marketing. So you, you get out, you didn't start your own business right there on the spot, did you? Or did you? I already had a business that was, oh. it was really a, a print broker business that I started uh, before finishing the degree. Yeah. Okay. So you had this business and, and so talk about where things ended up going for you from there. Sure. So when you're working with companies and their brands, you, you really, you know, branding is a very interesting uh, field because oftentimes you're really getting into the DNA of a company when you're talking about their brand, because you're talking about what does your brand represent? What is it about your company you want people to to feel and understand and oftentimes there was a great separation between what people believe their brand to be and what the customers saw their brand as being and so i would run that into that time and time again that 
you know, company A would say, our brand is about this. We're about, you know, we have the best quality and the best people. And then you talk to their customers and it was like, their quality isn't the greatest and I can't get anybody to pick up a phone. And so you had, you know, all these brand promises that were being um, destroyed rather than delivered um, right. by their customer service. So, so yeah, I, I just couldn't ignore that because that just kept coming up that we had people that were kind of delusional when it came to their brand of what it was really about. So I wanted to get in under the, the DNA of, okay, what is that? Because really when you get down to what a brand is, it's not what you and I say it is. In fact, it's, it's the one, it's the one aspect of any business, whether you're talking about McDonald's, you're talking about Disney, they don't own their brand. They may right. own the copyright, but the owners of the brand are the customers. Right. And the customers are the one that dictate what our brand is about, period. And so when you start flipping the script a little bit on what that looks like in customer service, then all of a sudden you realize if your customers are the owner of their brand and you're not taking care of your customers, then all of your brand promises really don't mean a lot. And, and one of the, the six elements in, in the book is that we have to treat brand and service as inseparable. And I think that's mm -hmm. something that a lot of people haven't really talked about in the customer service space. They talk about, you know, how to deliver the service and, and some of the common things we hear, which are great. But this idea that your brand promises are being delivered or destroyed by your customer service. And that's something that has to go all the way up the food chain to the, the CEO to really buy in and understand and all the way down to the frontline employee that understands they represent the brand, you know, wherever they're going, whatever they're doing. I, I think, you know, and my wife was the global VP of marketing for two different companies that do 500 million plus a year. And, and she has a saying, she says, you're either eroding your brand or you're building your brand. There is no middle ground. And, and, you know, what you're talking about is the truth. And I don't think that, you know, I, I looked at another company's um, Facebook page while years ago, I was actually you out of nowhere. I'm like, Hey, let's just pick Coles for an example. And I, I pull it up and, and and their like their Facebook <laughs> presence was absolutely crazy. There were customers in the comments on their posts just complaining like you wouldn't believe, and nobody responding. Nobody from Coles. Yeah. Nobody. And I was yeah, like, yeah. this is not good for you guys. Yeah, the customer service space, or excuse me, the, the social media space is often a microcosm of what's really happening at the corporate level and at the store level, if they're not responding on social media, it's highly likely that that is part of the, the DNA of the company that they, you know, they just don't, they follow the policy line and, and they don't understand. There's a big difference between the Kohl's and the Nordstrom's approach, right? Yes. And so when we think about companies that are thriving amidst um, all the changes that are happening in our culture with, you know, post-pandemic, all that sort of thing, it will really be those that are supplying exceptional service because you and I, you know, we, we spend money on things that, you know, people that take care of us, we spend, spend a little bit more money with them. Not everything we do, but we all have places that we spend more money at. Yeah. My business is to help your business be that business. Right. So the idea of being a business that says, okay, price becomes irrelevant when you start providing exceptional service. And oftentimes, you know, 
most people have what I call acceptable service, which is really kind of normal, what we've considered acceptable. But the problem is it doesn't really yield acceptable results. Exceptional service does. I mean, when you have statistics like, you know, 70% of a customer's experience is dictated by how they feel they're being treated, not even how they're being treated, but how they feel they're being treated, that should get our attention. Or, you know, you have 91% of people that leave a, a business, they don't do business with us anymore, and they don't say a word. And so those are things that, you know, we want to try to blame on something else. But the truth is we really have to get, have the humility to get under the hood and say, okay, what service are we consistently delivering? Because anybody yeah. can be good, you know, on occasion, you know, clock, broken clock is right twice a day, right? So <laughs> right. It, it happens, it's but true. At, at the end of the day, it really comes down to the intentionality of companies that say, okay, we are going to make service the most important thing what, of what we're doing. Everybody believes they have great service. And that's part of the biggest challenge is helping people to, to again, have the humility to take a look and see beyond Yelp reviews, what it is that they're really doing. So, so you're, you're sitting in a board meeting with a fortune 100 company that's in retail and, and it's not difficult to find out if their customers really care about them or not. Literally take, take a peek at their social media and you'll find out everything you need to know. So, so which everybody's doing, I, I don't think that, that, I think there's a lot of companies that don't believe that. And, 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 you know, so you're sitting at a, in a meeting with them. How do you, how do you, how do you convince a, a, a billion dollar a year um, executive board to, to, to have humility? So that may or may not happen in terms of the humility piece, but, you, when you start looking at the bottom line, you know, if you look at somebody's calendar and you look at their pocketbook, you find out what's important to them. Mm. And so if I, if I looked at the board of directors calendar and, and what they're talking about and their, their board minutes and see that there's no mention of customer service, there's no time given to developing what that piece looks like beyond just maybe a line item. Right. That that would be something I'd want to point out to them or look at the budget. What kind of resources are you putting towards customer service training? Because the people that are doing it well and consistently and um, are hitting it out of the park, it doesn't happen by accident. Nobody has great service by accident right. on a regular basis. And so it's that intentionality. So a lot of times it's really just looking at the pocketbook and the calendar and saying, OK, let's let's elevate this and see what kind of impact that that can have. And you're you're correct. And you really have to start at the top, because if you don't have that support from the top, it just feels, oh, this is just another thing that we do. The truth right. is, if we don't take care of our customers, we don't have a business. And and the, the people that are committed to finding out that customer experience and how to engage customers and give customers really what they want and what they need before they even ask for it. I mean, those are the things that that exceptional service is really made of. Joe Ingram says a bad waitress can make a, a great meal taste bitter. So true. <laughs> so true. Hey, there's another California friend of mine and she's in San Diego, Dr. Shali. So, um, so uh, when it, uh, 
how do you because uh, okay uh, let's let's go through a couple of examples um we don't have them everywhere here like in other areas chick-fil-a chick-fil-a if you go to a chick-fil-a i've never like i've never experienced customer service from better than chick-fil-a i mean they're unbelievable like they're just absolutely unbelievable how does a company that size and they're massive they're huge and they're all over the place how does a company that size how did they create that level of customer service um on such a huge scale i mean it's literally you go to any chick-fil-a in in wherever i've never experienced bad customer service at a chick-fil-a i'm not saying it doesn't happen but they seem to have it just spread evenly across their entire company how does a company like that do that yeah it's interesting it's funny that you bring up chick-fil-a because it is the example in fast food of great customer service and they made a decision a long time ago that they were going to be the best at customer service and yeah. that decision determines every other domino that falls that says, okay, then it means we're going to have to train at a corporate level. It means we're going to have to have ongoing video training for our employees. It means that we're going to try to attract the right people that understand our service culture. One of the other elements in this book is this idea of you have to nurture the culture that you want to develop because what you feed is what leads. And so if you're about, we want to get people in here, pay them as little money as possible and work them as hard as we can and you know, it's just grind them in and grind them out, then you'll get the results of that. Chick-fil-A yeah. made the decision that the businesses like them said, you know, we really want to take care of our customers. They're, I mean, they're selling chicken. It's not fabulous, it's just chicken. <laughs> I mean, I like Chick-fil-A, but I mean, at the end of the yeah. day, they're not selling something that all their competitors aren't selling. However, right. they're delivering it in a way, I, flipping what Joe said uh, a few minutes ago, also yes. a, no, no, no a, a bitter way. A, a oh, bad way. oh, yeah. No taste bitter. Also, a a great customer service experience will make that meal taste just a little bit better. And so, I think <laughs> I think they made a decision, and they make a, a daily decision to make customer service the at the core, not part of what they're doing, but the core of what they're doing. And, and try to name a company that their signature strength is their customer service, who decided it wasn't worth their time and stopped doing it. Like it doesn't exist because people that understand exceptional service know that it's worth the investment. Yep. So all the way from, and we've talked about, you know, corporate level, big, big, big corporate company level stuff, but, but let's, let's go to, um, I'll, I'll use an example, you know, a girl that used to cut my hair. She's a, I don't, an independent contractor and, and, and her service, she, she did a, an okay job, but her attitude and service was horrible. And, and, you know, I, I'm like, I never told her, I just quit going to her. I went somewhere else. You were part and, of that 91%. <laughs> what's that? You were part of that 91% that left her, didn't set, tell her anything. You just moved on. Just moved on. It's not going to be very many people that'll actually say, dude, your customer, your service sucks. Like it, people won't say that. So how do you, if you're not getting that feedback um, verbally, 
and, and I mean, cause uh, people will say, well, it's just the economy is down and that's why my sales suck or, you know, this or whatever it is. Right. Um, they won't ever go look in the mirror and go, I suck. <laughs> like, right. How do you, how do you change that? How do you help people have that shift? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, years ago, Bain and Company did a survey and they asked 362 business leaders if they, their company provided superior service. And not surprisingly, 80% of them said, yeah, we do. Then they went to 3,000 of the customers of those businesses and said, are you, in fact, receiving superior service? And guess what that number was? Uh, what was it? <laughs> Eight. Eight. So. so so on one side, you have the business owners saying 80% of them say we have superior service. And on the other side, their customers are saying, no, about 8% of them are saying they have great service. So that may or may not be true, but those kind of things should get our attention. Because again, oftentimes people think their service is better than it is. So how do we get to that? Some of it, it goes back to once you decide I am going to provide the best customer service in my space. Yeah. That changes things. When you say, I'm going to, even if I'm a one-man show, if I'm a solopreneur, I can say, do you know what? I am going to provide the best service regardless of what happens. I'm going to provide exceptional, not acceptable service. All of a sudden, the conversation changes and the customer experience changes just even on paper. You start mapping out, you know, your gal that cuts, her, cuts your hair. There are things that- She, she can, doesn't anymore. Right. <laughs> right. There and I'm a good tipper. I mean, a really good tipper. And she lost that. You know, it's like a relationship. It's like, you know, you're married. If if you didn't really talk to your wife on a regular basis or I didn't, you know, spend time with my wife, the relationship would suffer. And at some point, nobody would be surprised if one of us went the other way. Yeah. The same is true of business. And again, that's why it was customer relationship imprinting. I want people to understand that Business relationships are the same. I don't care if you're a global company. It comes down to how people feel they're, they're, they're being treated and how they feel they're being valued. You know, you mentioned earlier, people blame the economy. You know, we're coming out of a really challenging time. And the I find the people that are saying, yeah, you know, this economy or, you know, COVID was so horrible. Yeah, we're just, you know, it's all true. It's hard. But the people that are thriving, the people are saying, well, because of that, we've changed the way we're interacting with our customers and we've improved our systems and we've improved our ability to really hear the customer. And so it really, you make a choice. You have to make a choice. You can't make people decide, like if somebody says, okay, I want to have amazing customer service, it doesn't happen overnight. It's something they have to dig in daily and ask the questions. Your gal that used to cut your hair, she could have been on the front end, you know, front loading conversations with you, whether it's a text and appreciate what you're doing and remind me next time you come in, I'm going to give you a free X, Y, Z, you know, all those things. Right. But she was like most businesses. She, she took for granted that, oh yeah, Ken's going to come in every six weeks and get his haircut. He's a customer. Well, that's the problem that a lot of businesses make is yep. they think, well, these are our customers. And then they wonder why are we, why is the retention of customers changing? And right. a lot of times you can, you can really map it back to, at some point, you were not taking care of your customer in some capacity, even if it was just their perception. But you assume that business as usual is getting things done. And again, average or acceptable service does not produce acceptable results, only exceptional service. 
I, I, you see it in the airline industry running rampant and people hate airlines, um, as a result. And, and, you know, I, I, just the other day that the mask mandate was lifted and United CEO came out and said, we're not changing. You got to wear a mask if you want to fly with United. And I'm thinking that's the opposite of your name. That's not being very United. Like what the heck is wrong? And of course, the 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 response was, well, then we'll go to Delta or whatever. And the okay, okay, okay. We'll and so, so Ken, that's part of what happens, right? Is people see, you know, if I'm in fast food, I see the Chick Fil A's thriving and think, okay, what do we need to do different? We don't need to right. come up with a better chicken sandwich. <laughs> you know, do what? We, we don't need to come up with a better chicken sandwich. And right. but that's that's the mentality. Is oh, Chick Fil A is great. Well, they have a chicken sandwich. We need to have a better chicken sandwich. Well, sometimes. Right. It's it's the obvious. It's right in front of us. And then people say, well, I can't find any good people to work. Well, guess what? A lot of these businesses that have a culture of service. So out here we have In-N-Out Burger, which is pretty, pretty popular. Very good customer service. Chick-fil-A. You have, again, the Disney's, the Nordstrom's. Not to say they don't have challenges finding help, but they've created such a service culture internally that people know what they're getting into. And they tend to have better retention because they're giving their people a mission often beyond the transaction. I'll, I'll give an example. A mission, that's right. So years ago, Ken, uh, you know, uh, Steve Jobs, we all yep. know that, you know, he did some amazing things with technology, of course. But a little known story is that he actually got the CEO for Pepsi to leave Pepsi and join him. And he didn't do it by asking him or paying him more money. He did it by asking him this question. He said, do you wanna make sugar water the rest of your life or do you wanna change the world? And so the Mm -hmm. CEO of Pepsi left this job that he tried so hard to get to. He got to that level of CEO of Pepsi about that. And he left because, not because the money was better and maybe it ended up being better of course, but it was really about the mission. And so one of the things that isn't talked a lot about that that I would love for people to embrace regardless of the size of their company is if you're, only mission for your business and for your employees is to help them um, make you more money. At some point, you're going to lose those people to somebody else that will pay them more money. So some of the ways you can do that is find what organizations your employees would like to support. Maybe there's a veterans organization that they would like to support and you give them a mission beyond just the transaction. And so those are important pieces that often we don't think about when we think about customer service, think about, oh yeah, they pay me a fair wage and I go home at the end of the day. But when the world changes, like it has, and you have people like McDonald's offering iPhones for people to come work for them, which is all fine and good, but they're really just playing to the people that want more money and they're, yep. not, they're not creating a culture that is something worth following, if you will. You're 1000% correct, man. So how, how do we... Um, because there are, there, there's, there's our buddy, Doug wing. Doug's the reason you and I know each other. Doug. Doug. So, so how do we, cause you know, there are, uh, gosh, I can think of so many, of course we can always think of, of examples of bad, bad companies. Um, but you know, I can think of a company that, that, my wife and I, during the the pandemic, we were ordering food and picking it up at this place, and 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 
the first time my wife sat in the drive, she got there to pick it up. They didn't have her order, but they had charged her credit card already, but they didn't have her. So she had to sit there and wait for 30 minutes in her car. She ended up sending a message to, or putting a message on, I think Facebook or something. Um, and the CEO of the company reached out, sent a letter, sent, sent all these free coupons for free food and all this stuff. We, uh, okay, we'll give it another shot is, is what we decided. We'll give them another shot. Maybe they were having a bad day. We gave them another shot and almost the exact same thing happened again. And, and this time the CEO didn't respond at all. So guess where well, we never will go again. And we haven't been back since. Yeah. A lot of times the reality is people in, and when it comes to customer service, they're playing defense. Like, Oh, let me give you a coupon because you had a bad experience or I'm right. sorry. Come back. And, and, and again, those are admirable things to do, but it's really about having a strong offense and having your team, you know, fixing, fixing the deficiencies and there's going to be deficiencies no matter how great somebody's yep. service is. That's just That's the reality. Right. We're human. There's going to be deficiencies. Yeah. And you know, in our lives, the people that tend to forgive us the most are the people that are closest to us, right? Our, our right. wives or our friends or family. The same is true in business. The people that say, do you know what? They just had a bad, are the people have had a great experience 99 times out of a hundred and just say, you know, it happens. You know, I, it's also, it goes back to one of the things in the book I talk about is this idea of relational Velcro and relational Velcro. You think about two pieces of Velcro. One has the little hooks on it. The other has the tiny fibers. The yeah. more contact points you have for Velcro, the harder it is to separate. Well, sure. I want people to see their staff and, and their interactions as one side of the Velcro and, you know, the customers, the other side. So relational Velcro is creating more meaningful interactions and that increases, you know, really that relational Velcro we're talking about. I had an experience that was kind of uh, surprised me in terms of good customer service. I had on trash day, the trash guy kept leaving my trash can in the middle of the driveway. So when I'd come home, I couldn't get in the driveway. And I'm like, did I upset this guy? <laughs> like what happened? You know? Right. And so I even set up a camera like, okay, it's the same guy every time. And so finally I'm like, okay, I'm going to call in, call the city called this thing and said, Hey, we have this problem. You know, I don't know why this guy doing it. And, you know, I, I was nice, but I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Well, instead of getting a letter or getting, you know, somebody from the switchboard call me back, I got a knock on my door and it was the supervisor for the city, for the, for the um, trash department. And he said, you know, my name's so-and-so. And I saw that you had an issue. And I wanted to tell you, we do that because if our trash truck comes right next to your house, it's going to break your tree. It's going to damage your tree. So we do that. And I thought this guy gets it. Not only was he helping me and I didn't know it, but he chose again, he easily could have just done this from his office or had somebody else do it for him. But he knocked on my door and wow. he understood the very thing we're talking about. That is that relational Velcro. And all of a sudden, you know, I, my whole demeanor changed because he, he was doing me a favor and I didn't know it. And he personally delivered it. Yeah. And I, I just I think if more people have that approach and he works, by the way, for the city, which they don't, you know, typically get they don't get paid less or more if they have poor customer service. And it's right. really hard often to fire a city employee. Right. I mean, there's it's kind of, you know, they're infamous for having bad service and not really caring. But, you know, what a great example of somebody that understands this idea of relational Velcro. And anybody can do that in any size business 
in any way, shape or form. It's just, it's that intentionality um, of trying to find a way to make your customers day. So you think that it's just, I mean, so it's about building the right culture um, and, 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 and delivering to the staff because you can't scale as a solopreneur. It's very difficult to scale. You have to have other people working with you. So you're talking about building a culture that has a, a very strong mission behind it as well. Yeah. One of the, my company is called six sided service because like a cube has six sides. I believe there are six different elements that are involved in creating exceptional service. And that's what, what are I'm those? Doing. What are, what are the six elements? Well, I can't give that away because it's in the book. Just kidding. Well, you have to give it away and everybody <laughs> yeah, will so, go buy the book. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the secret, right? right? So the first one is this idea of finding a way to make a customer's day. So that's element number one. It, it's this active finding a way to make your customers day. And that involves the relational Velcro piece that we were talking about. Yep. And so that's kind of the obvious one. And the second one is developing a customer centric employee base. It's really how do we develop our employees to be customer centric? And so there's a whole section on that of how, and that's what we really get into working from a values place and a mission place um, versus just a transactional space. Right. And then we talk about this idea of, ser I call them service architects. And these are the people in your business that champion the cause of service. And we want to enlist and empower service architects. So when you use these examples of, of this company that where the CEO gave you a, a coupon, right? ideally there would be a service architect at the store level that champion the cause of service that never had to get the CEO involved, that they understand where the deficiencies are and they're at that level taking care of those deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And so there's that piece. There's also the piece of keeping your, making sure your, your brand and your service are seen as inseparable. Mm. And then we talked about, you know, nurture the culture is another one. This idea of we do have to create that internal culture because we're not gonna really be able to serve people outside of our business, if inside our business, everybody's miserable and they feel like what they're doing doesn't matter, nobody cares. And then finally, the, the last piece is this idea of steering with steering your service with systems. Like the only way to have consistent service is to have a system in place. Again, you talk about Chick-fil-A, it doesn't just happen like, oh, wow, well, I, I found a good employee at Chick-fil-A. No, you, you found all of them to be pretty good. And, and that is really because they've created a system a scalable system where it's trainable. It's, you know, it, they can replicate it, all those different things. So years ago I was, um, I was in Russia and I, there was a McDonald's there and it is amazing how burgers in Russia taste like burgers in California. And they, they have a system that no matter where you go in the world, yeah, their food's going to taste the same. Now it doesn't taste that great. I don't think so. That's one thing, but but the point is they've systematized everything they're doing and yep. we need to see that as our service. We can't just, you know, especially if we are, you know, overseeing more than one location or, or overseeing a, a larger company, there has to be a system in place, multiple systems in place to help people deliver consistent service, find the service deficiencies, help to forecast what is coming down the road. Those things are all things that matter 
Um, so those, those are basically those six pieces. Those are the six sides. You need all six of those to yeah. achieve what I call customer relationship imprinting, which the definition is the ability to attract, acquire, and retain more customers who follow you regardless of circumstances. So think about that for a second. The ability to attract, acquire, and retain more customers that follow you regardless of what else is going on. Yep. That's what we all want. And I believe those things are achieved when those six practices are happening at the same time in a business. That's where the good stuff is happening. That's where the exceptional service starts to really pay great dividends. I, I think, you know, you look back at, and, and I, I think about as, as, as arrogant as it sounds, you know, I'd like to think that I single-handedly took circuit city down um, but I did, I did, <laughs> I did, right there. I don't know how many billions they did at their peak, but I'm sure it was many, you know, but you think about that situation because it's, you know, I can, I remember it like it just happened too. It's crazy. I wanted to punch the guy in the face. <laughs> I, we, I literally we have those experiences, right? Where we just, it, yeah. we, it makes us crazy, but Right. I mean, think about the movie falling down. They made a freaking movie about it and included it. He comes in at 1101 and they're like, sorry, breakfast was stopped at 11. Right. Like, right. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, dude, it's, it's well, it runs rampant in our society and it's so arrogant. One of the things you ask early on is how do you convince a CEO? And, and, and one of the things that I, I share with people that is it's kind of a mind blowing statistic and I call it the 17% factor. So Ken, if you and I were selling the same goods and services and I was delivering acceptable or average customer service, but you were delivering exceptional service, according to American express, people would pay you up to 17% more than they would pay me. Yep. That is the power of great service for the same exact product for the same thing. And so, so, you know, think about what else is that much of a differentiator in your business? You, where else can you get a 17% increase by really, you know, a small financial investment in terms of training and, and, and your resources and that sort of thing. But, you know, this isn't increasing your marketing budget. And again, I kind of come from that world. So I'm, I'm great with let's get more visibility out there, but it's not that mm -hmm. it's not, Hey, let's hire more people because you're just you know, making the problem worse if those people aren't delivering the service. It's, it's always fascinating to me how many businesses and so many people are guilty of this, that new hire comes in, they go through their, their training that includes a video on customer service. And then we unleash them with our greatest asset, which is our customers. And we wonder why, you know, we're getting these complaints. Oh, we're going to complain about a new employee. No, you're getting a complaint about your lack of training your people. And so the yep. people that understand the things that we're talking about, they don't just onboard people, give them a training video and move them on. They understand we really need to make sure they understand the culture of what we're doing and help them to navigate that culture in such a way that, you know, is acceptable from, from the standpoint of what their objectives are, both relationally and transactionally. I, I, companies don't, you know, there's, I forget how the saying goes exactly, but, it, you know, they companies don't ever really think about, I mean, they think about, okay, it's expensive to train employees. They don't think about how much more expensive it is to not 
train employees and and you know it's way more expensive to get a new customer than it is to to keep one say so, you know depending on what statistic you look at it's seven times more expensive to get a new employee or a, a new customer, new customer. Think about that an employee is like the impact that that has where you walk into a location we've always had this person always say oh they're not here anymore i mean we're all experiencing that now because people are not working and yeah the companies that that are able to kind of rally the troops and help them to understand i i have a a client that i i may be closing here in the next day or so that their whole thing they, they run a pizza joint right or a couple couple of them it's like a little small franchise yeah and they understand this they they've let go so many employees because they say we cannot be a business that has poor or even average customer service and they really understand that and they're going to thrive because they're investing in their people and i think yep. that is that should sound the alarm for us if i'm working at a business and they're not investing in the people in that business in in many aspects then it, it's it may not be the best place that you're going to experience customer service you know starbucks you know they're paying for people a college degree and you know you can have all your opinions about starbucks one way or the other but they are really consistently good at customer service yeah and that that's not by accident that is in the dna it's in the training and again it's it's a scalable approach because it's been a very um tactical approach my my wife just chimed in um, at the, and I told you her background, um, you know, it seems companies are doing no training now and she's right about a lot. Employees don't seem to care if you're a customer or not. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Um, I'm not sure if she heard me talking about the, the restaurant here locally that we used to go to. And, but, you know, I, I mean, I think about like, you know, you say you can tell if they're investing in their their employees and a lot of employees may think, well, they don't pay me enough. And then the, the business owner or the company is like, oh, well, maybe if we pay our employees two dollars an hour more, 50 cents an hour more, they'll 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 treat our customers better. And that's not what it boils down to. It Correct. boils down to what you said earlier, and that is instilling a company mission, a mission for your, your employees like Chick-fil-A. They're not paying more than McDonald's. Yeah, but yet they're retaining their employees better than McDonald's. And, right. you know, I don't know, I don't know if you're a sports guy, but, you know, if, if you bring on a wide receiver for your football team and you pay him $30 million and he's not really doing that great and you say, well, let's pay him, you know, $80 million, he's not going to play any better. No. He's going to like the idea of playing a little bit better, but right. that's, that's kind of the, you know, the craziness that happens at this level is people tend to think if I throw more money at it, it'll fix it. Well, at the end of the day, people are, are also lazy. They decide, well, we just, let's pay him more. Let's do, let's do what we can for him to keep him happy. Well, you're already sunk because you're asking the wrong questions and it's really, what can we do? to invest in our people. What does that look like? And, and I believe one of the reasons Starbucks has done so well is they've asked that question. So what do you want? Well, we want a college education and they've, they've delivered it. Again, whatever your opinions are about them as a corporation, you have to acknowledge that they are listening to what their employees want and they're providing a culture. People know, wow, if I, if I want, you know, get a college education, I can work as a barista or, you know, whatever. The, the companies that understand that piece, I think are the ones that are going to have that retention of their employees. And again, 
you know, you probably have your same place that you go to, whether it's a restaurant or Starbucks or whatever. You mm -hmm. like seeing those people, the same people. Oh, they make my drink right. That, that's the person that always takes care of me. Again, yeah. my we all go places where people just take care of us. We're willing to pay more. And a, a Starbucks is a quintessential example because I never thought I'd pay the amount of money I pay for a coffee. If you told me that 30 years ago, I, I said, I don't even drink coffee 30 years ago. Right. But right. It, but we do that because of some somewhat because of the experience. And somewhat because of the relationships that get built. I was I was in a a drive-through the other day, and I saw as you pull up to the drive-through, they have Polaroid pictures of people's pets. Like these are all these are all our, our customers' pets. And somebody had a turtle. I mean, it was crazy, you know. That, that's brilliant. That's part of that relational Velcro, right? Is, yep. Oh, look, that so-and-so's dog. What a cute dog, you know. All of a sudden, it's not about getting your product at the window. It's about connecting with other people. And, you know, this pandemic, one of the things that happens in something like this is we all start thinking about really what's important. All of a sudden, the things that were important pre-pandemic aren't as important as they are now. And what really becomes important is what? Relationships. Yeah. We start thinking, you know, people that there are some people that don't want to go to work, but there's other people that don't want to go to work because they've had time with their family. They've had time with some of their relationships. And you know, anytime, whether it's World War II or these things happen, the underlying theme is people start thinking about what's important and its relationships. So if we can translate that into business of helping businesses see that the same is true of your business, people want to see not not we're not going to be best friends with with all of our customers. You know, Starbucks, that's not their goal. Their goal is to truly have an interaction. Why do they have your name on a cup rather than a number? because they're trying to create that experience. So again, yep. name the company that, that has excellent customer service. They understand this piece. So. I, I dude, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that, <clears throat> you know, I always ask um, this question, but I'm going to answer it for you and see if you agree. I always say, what, what do you think, holds people back in life. We'll put in people, companies, whatever. Um, and, and, and I think it comes down to our level of service to others. And, and that, that goes to the company level. It goes to everything. Like if, if, if you want to stop sucking in life, learn how to serve others better. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I do. In fact, uh, in the book, I, I share a personal experience. It's kind of a little embarrassing because I was I was working with a, a grocery chain as their marketing director and something would go wrong. And I would I would inevitably find a way to blame people at the store level. And and sometimes that was the case. But more than not, you know, I had some culpability that I wasn't willing to admit to. And the challenge is you have to come to a place where you have your own aha moment and you say, like in, in my mind, the stores were there to serve my marketing plan. I had it completely backwards. It's like, it's like miscasting somebody in a movie. You know, if you, if you put, uh, if you were casting for the movie Gandhi and you had Sylvester Stallone as Gandhi, it just kind of wouldn't work. <laughs> it's, it's miscast, right? And oh I was doing that. And I think a lot of people can do that is they yeah. miscast themselves as if I'm the leader, if I'm further up the food chain, then there's what you can do for me. Whereas the people that really understand servant leadership, 
is the idea of that, you know, I had this aha moment where I realized I had miscast myself. I, I was really there to, to serve them, not the opposite. And so when people have that mentality, they, uh, they will go a lot further because it really is about serving others. And, and I'm a person of faith, so I believe strongly. And it's really that piece. It's a privilege to serve people, whether yeah. you're getting paid for it or not. You know, that's yeah. something that is deep in the DNA of humans of how, you know, when we eat together, somebody makes a meal for us. You know, one of the people that helped me have this discovery was actress Suzanne Summers. And so I, I, I've, I've done some work with her and I, I was invited to her home and she made lunch. You know, she didn't have somebody else make lunch. She made the lunch. And she, you know, she, she made Suzanne Summers made you lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And, wow. and she had, she has that piece of humility. And it wasn't even a, a, about that as much as about she, you know, you forget after a few minutes that you're talking to Chrissy Snow from Three's Company, you know, yeah, She's, right. her and Alan are, are, you know, just down to earth and, and yeah. great people. And, but the reality is I had to, see where I was in the drama that was created. So it's easy to say, we have all these problems, you know, we have, you know, issues with our employee. Okay, what's your role in that drama? Not what, not what is your title? Because it's really easy to defer to the title. Well, so-and-so handles that or I'll do, no. What is your role in that drama? And so once I realize that piece and once I can help people turn the corner, realize whether you're the CXO or whether you're a manager, you need to yeah. define what your role is in the drama and, and, self-correct and and again have that mentality of of serving other people it does it it changes the approach significantly because it's no longer about what you can do for me it's about truly and we you know we talk about this in business a lot it's about how can i add value to you if we can right. do that on an interaction level with customers whether it's you know you're on the other side of a customer service call or you have somebody standing in front of you in a brick and mortar environment it's really what can i do again that that first element in my book is find a way to make their day. How do you consciously look for a way to make their day? Not to just, you know, get them to leave without causing trouble or give them a coupon. Like what can you do to make their day? You know, I, and it does come down to, um, for, <laughs> unfortunately I learned this the, the long and hard way. And that was, you know, um, training an employee so generally speaking not for everybody this is just in general when you hire an employee they need direction they just do they need goals they need direction they need a mission they need all of the things me i don't need that i'm a self starter i just get stuff done right i just go and and i get it done it took me forever I used to think, why doesn't everybody think like me? What is wrong with all you lazy bastiches? Why can't you just do your job? Like, what do you mean you talk to a customer like that? Are you an idiot? You know, I would think all these things. I probably said it a few times even. But like, you know, I, Grant Cardone is a real good friend of mine. And Grant Grant's company, which has just grown exponentially in the last eight years, there, his people, he has a whole training system and his people have to log in every single day and watch six videos, which are three, four minutes, five minutes a piece. 
six every day and the system counts logs it if they did it or not and you only get two chances of missing those six videos two the third time you're escorted out of the building the third time that you do not watch six training videos before you start work you're done it's over does not matter what your title is either and that's it's from it's intentionality all the way down right so, so, but people, when you call his office, first off, you're probably not getting off the phone without buying something. Second, second, like they answer the phone. It's a great day at Grant Cardone's office. How, what can I get the information on? And they're just really, really, you know, filled with this amazing energy. And, and I think that people really need to take a look at, and I'm not judging I'm just saying like, dude, like if your company sucks, look at your service, look in the mirror. How are you treating customers? How are you treating your clients? Whether you're an attorney, whether you're a, 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 a it doesn't matter what you're doing. Am I wrong about that? You're spot on. You're, you're totally right. Because what, what ends up happening is people think that if we've been doing it this way for a long time and, and it seems to be working, well, no, probably not. Or, or if it <laughs> no. seems to be working, it's going to catch up with you. And you know, we saw in the pandemic, we saw companies that had forecasting ability think of, okay, where's this going? What can we, and they were able to pivot. That word yeah. was overused, but they were able to, right. to pivot to such a point that, that they didn't miss a step. And other people just have, still haven't caught up and they're blaming the economy and they're, they're, you know, all this kind of stuff. So certainly yeah. it is very much about the intentionality. It is about being okay if people are not part of your tribe internally or even externally, your customers, there are there are people that will not understand your business or appreciate what you do. And that's OK. Yeah. It's OK to let them go. It's it's a it's a blessed reduction <laughs> um, because you'll never make them happy if if they're not really understanding part of your tribe. And same, you know, same is true, even more so with employees. I, I guarantee you that Grant Cardone's office has a great core of people that understand the things that we're talking about, yeah. because if they don't, they're not going to be part of that tribe because of, of the, the function that he's put in that you're out. If you don't not only do these trainings, it's not just, you don't have to, you know, go through the six trainings every day. You have to be part of that culture. You have to be part of that tribe in such a way that, you, you know, it, it, it changes the DNA of what's happening with you as a salesperson. And so, it's yeah. definitely those pieces, like we talked about earlier, is having the humility and having the the wherewithal to say, okay, what does this? A lot of a lot of employees just act on what you said. Well, they didn't give me a training. This this is, I guess, what they expect for me to do my best and ask questions if I have questions, and then it all goes off the rails, you know. Yeah. And one of the one of the things in the book when we talk about service architects, we use that word architect because an architect can see a building or a project in reverse. Like you and I, we drive by, you know, yeah. an empty lot and we see stakes in the ground. We see rebar right. out, and we have no idea what they're building. The architect for that building is crystal clear on every detail of that. And so, you know, we want to have people that can see beyond the rebar, if you will, and have a service vision. And whether those people are at the very top of the corporation or somewhere you know, at, at mid-level, it's the idea of having somebody that sees what could be. And, you know, one yeah. of the great examples of this is there was this guy years ago that he went to 
he had this huge building project, true story. And every banker in down, every banker in town turned him down to um, finance this project. And it came to a point where he, he had to finish it. And he said, I, I'm going to turn in my insurance. You know, my, I'm going to do everything. He's all in. And nobody got it. Nobody understood in terms of the banking world what he was trying to do. And it was a few years after that that he opened the happiest place on earth. It was Walt Disney. Yep. He could see beyond the rebar. And he wasn't even, you know, some people could see, oh, he's building an amusement park. But he wasn't. He was building the happiest place on earth. Yep. And you have to have people in your organization. And if you're an entrepreneur, it's you. <laughs> yeah. but you have to have people in your business that say, I see this, what can be, and if not, you have everybody just kind of building whatever they want. And then you look around and say, what did we build in this company? Oh, we got all these problems. And that's why people say, well, I don't know if it can be fixed. Let's just, let's just try to do this and try to help rather than saying, no, let's get a plan and let's execute this plan. Let's have people aligned to what we're doing. All, you know, let's get people on the same page when it comes to, service deficiencies, when it comes to making people's day, when it comes yeah. to what's our brand saying, what are we delivering all those pieces. So. I, it, it, you're, this is brilliant, man. I, I think that everybody watching um, first off, go to six Hold your book up again, Michael, I'm going to give you full screen. So go to, go to, is that where the book is at six yeah, you can get it there. Certainly you can get it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, but yeah. And it's customer, hold it up one more time, please. Customer relationship imprinting, the six elements that ensure exceptional service without exception. So everybody go pick up a copy of this book. Debbie, Debbie just bought it. So um, we hit our goal. Prior to starting the show, we I, I said, we just have to get one sale to make this a good show. And Debbie, thank you. Um, in thank fact, you, I said, Debbie will probably be the one that buys your book. So, um, no, no I, I'm kidding. So everybody, you know, and that's the other thing. I think that, that, you know, companies on, on every level, um, you know, especially with social media, pe people just, they're just not getting it. Although I believe the executives in these big corporations probably spend a lot of time perusing social media, they don't think about their own. And, and, and if, you're, if you have bad customer service at a business, no matter what the company, that news is going to travel way faster than if, if, if it's a great experience. And, and, and what you're talking about and what this book is about and what you're about, people wake up, wake up. Yeah. It, again, acceptable service just isn't acceptable and exceptional service can be attained, but it, you have to have these six elements in place. Yeah. And I can't say that it's easy, but it's certainly worth it. And again, you can't name a, a, a brand or, a business that has exceptional customer service that decided one day it's just not worth having exceptional service. Let's go back to average service because they've, they've kind of cracked the code and they realize this is where it's really at. This is the secret sauce of business of having exceptional service. And um, again, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by, you know, consciously day in and day out, like Grant Cardone's team every day saying, okay, what can we do with our service that we're not doing today? Or what can we learn from yesterday? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It can change the trajectory of a company in a downward spiral. It can, if you, if you focus on, on everything that Michael's talking about, um, hire Michael, have him come in and, 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 um, buy his book and give it, make it, make it required, make a book study club with Michael's book in your company and have a meeting every morning talking about it. What are we going to do to make our customers day today to really make their day? It's, it's beautiful. I love it, man. This, this is awesome. Everybody go over and follow Michael too, everywhere on social media. Go ahead. Yeah, you were saying something. No, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that we we did too is we created something that uh, is called a six-sided service deck. And so there's 52 cards in a deck. So we created cards that have a quote from the book on each card and what? then a question or an action step. So you can train at a corporate level. You can sit at a corporate meeting and say, pick a card. Let's talk about service from that standpoint. You can train your frontline staff. And we, we're really serious. You, about ha you have these? Yeah. So if you go to sixsidedservice.com, they're, they're called a six-sided service deck. And we've had a lot of great response because people, you know, maybe at the front line, they're not going to read the book or they're not going to take the time to do that. But yeah. they go through these cards. You know, I, I do some work with Harley Davidson and they're doing that with their staff. And um, those are. Do you have them are, with you? Do you, well, can you I, show? I, of course I don't. That would have been smart. Oh. But yeah, they're, they're a deck of cards and, and there's six suits, one suit, you know, for each element in the book. And there's questions and quotes from the book. And, and so, yeah. I should have them in my hand showing them to you, but go to sixsidedservice.com and you'll see them there. But it's those wow. kind of tools that, again, it's a great place to start. You know, buy a book, buy a card. You know, we have bundle deals, obviously, where you can buy buy a book for your, your executive team or for your, your management team and then buy those cards for them as well. It's those little things that kind of get those gears turning to be thinking about your service in a different way. And so, and even if you don't get my book or, or my cards, like, invest in training your people by, you know, giving them something to hang on to rather than, okay, let's do better customer service. You know, you know, my, my, my wife said earlier, I don't think you saw it, but I'm going to, I'm going to find the comment. She, she was talking about that, that company. Um, she said that restaurant CEO seems like a super person, but you're only as good as your customer facing team. And that's so true. However, and I said this to her when it happened, it still falls back on the CEO because he needs to be making, he, even if he can't be there in person, they only have six locations. So, um, but like, you know, he needs to make sure that these customers or these employees are trained, properly trained, and that they understand the mission. Like understanding the mission and training are probably two of the most important things. Well, you know, the the textile industry, when you when you have a shirt, you know, you have what they call it the warp and the weft. And it's the two different directions of thread. And, you know, oftentimes we treat our marketing as one, you know, the warp, the, the direction of the thread. And then over here in a different spool thread, we, we have our service and the two never intermingle. But the businesses that get it understand that the warp and the weft or the business, the brand, and the service are inseparable. Like what, what your wife's saying, at the end of the day, it, the CEO should know that because his people are not delivering the brand promises. Yep. And he does either doesn't know it or it's not, somehow it's not getting to him or the training's broken down somewhere. But at the end of the day, that's a great example of 
your brand and your service are inseparable because now you don't even like that brand and you won't even, you know, patron, you know, spend time with that, that company, sorry. And uh, because at the end of the day, their, their brand promises were broken at the service level and they, they're, they're still seeing brand and services separate. We have to see them as integral and working together like that warp and that weft. And then you've got one of the top podcasts in the world. (laughs) Two guys sitting here talking about your brand and how much it sucks and you don't want that. Right. Right. Or how about this? You don't want to be like Montgomery wards or Sears or circuit city. You don't want to be in that position. And you can change that right now by focusing on better customer service. And the number one thing you can do is get Michael's book, sixsidedservice.com. Go over and pick it up. Michael, hold up your book one last time, if you would, please. And let's show people customer relationship imprinting. Let's get this book in the hands. Hey, you know what? Go buy a couple of extra copies and those companies that that you think their service sucks, go in, ask for the manager and hand them a copy of the book. Say, I really like this place, but I hope you change. This will help you. (laughs) That's what I would do. All right, listen, Michael, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. You're you're a great guy. I love the the message you carry. I love what you're doing. And um, I really hope that, that, um, some some people take to heart what what we've talked about today awesome well thanks for the opportunity really good talking with you ken thanks yeah it's been great so everybody have a wonderful day have a great weekend michael thank you so much for being here and we will see you all next week until then have a great weekend thanks michael thank you